CBSSports.com. It's Fantasy Baseball today. We are just a few days away from the July 31st trade deadline. It's July 28th, and it's a social media Thursday. Adam Azer, Al Melchior, and filling in for Scott White is Jeff Littman. Hi, Jeff. Good to be here. I'm channeling Scott in, in more ways than one. Yeah, why don't you follow me on Twitter? Um, because, I, you know, I, I do more baseball-related stuff on Twitter. I'm not at following people. I'm, ju I'm just... Uh, I tweet about baseball. I'm just sometimes. doing I'm just doing lists. Doing lists for He'll work. He'll ask you to retweet them. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a Twitterer. It's not my thing. All right. Well, here's our Twitter information. It's at CBS Fantasy News and Facebook.com/slash/CBSSportsFantasy. So today we will be reading your tweets and your Facebook questions. Here's what's on the show today: a lot of trade talk with Beltran on the move, Colby Rasmus on the move, Fugadome on the move, um, and we're going to talk about Neftali Feliz and the Rangers bullpen. And then we'll get into the three-up, three-down and stuff from yesterday's games, from Wednesday's games, and some injuries, news, and notes. Let's start out with the trades, guys. Trade number one to discuss. Carlos Beltran goes to the Giants. Zach Wheeler comes to New York from San Francisco, a good pitching prospect. Right, Al? Yeah, their best pitching prospect, uh, and actually their best prospect, period, now that Brandon Belt has been playing in the majors. Lucas Duda will play some right field for the Mets. He homered yesterday, in fact. And this I thought was interesting. We don't have to talk about it, but pretty cool note from Danny Nobler's column um, talking about Carlos Beltran, why the Giants got him. They got him for big time for big playoff at-bats against Roy Halladay. Beltran is 14 for 42 with two home runs. Cole Hamels, he's 10 for 36 with three home runs. Tim Hudson, 26 of 74. Nine extra base hits, 17 RBI. Pretty interesting that he does well against those guys. That's good. Well, anything that can uh, put a little punch in that Giants, Giants lineup, whether it's against the, the big pitchers or just uh, you know the ordinary pitchers they're going to face, that's going to help them. We're going to look at these trades and talk about everybody affected. Let's start, though, with Beltran now. Value up, value down. What do you think? Uh, I think lateral move. He goes from one pitcher's park to another. Actually, one that's a little more uh, difficult for hitters to deal with than uh, City Field. But I think pretty much a lateral move for uh, for Beltran, so I wouldn't expect any change to his fantasy value. Jeff, what do you think about this whole move? How about Lucas Duda? Well, um, I don't think Lucas Duda is somebody that everybody should be running out to get off of waivers. Um, I, I definitely think you know he could help out in deeper leagues. But um, to me, and Al might disagree with this, we were talking about it, um, Duda, before the podcast to me it's a small sample size but he's not a good hitter as an outfielder he never has been duda. he yeah duda duda has said right before um yesterday's game that he prefers to play first base and you know terry, terry collins manager terry collins basically had to you know say well you better get ready to play the outfield yeah um you know so over a small sample size he's been a very poor hitter as an outfielder and as a starter He's been much better off the bench. So, uh, you know, until I see it, I wouldn't rush out and get um, get Duda just because he's going to be playing every day for the Mets. Okay. Who else is affected by this? How about that Giants outfield? Who loses time here? The big loser in terms of playing time is Cody Ross uh, because, the, at least for now, looks like the Giants are going to go with a platoon situation in left field, play Beltron in right. That's shifting Nate Scharholtz to left. He'll face right-handed pitchers. Cody Ross is just left with the scraps of uh, facing left-handers. And I want to add a little bit to that because that is absolutely the case for the time being. But um, I want to speculate a little bit in that both manager Terry Collins and um, Bruce Bochy have said they'd consider using Beltran in center field. Um, I think Beltran in center field, now he prefers to play right, but you know I think Beltran in center field 
leaves the Giants offense uh, much better in the outfield because I think Andres Torres is on the downside of his career at 33 years old. He's hitting 235. He's got 18 RBI on the whole season. Um, and I just think the outfield would be better with Sherholtz uh, sure in right and Ross in left um, because you know Ross uh, certainly has a big bat in big situations. And so I think down the line, maybe, you know, I hope it's in time for fantasy owners to take advantage of it, but I think Shearholtz and Ross could both see an imp- uh, can see an improvement okay. while Torres, who's only owned in you know, 25, I think, percent of leagues, um, could be the odd man out, even though we think Ross is at the moment. Okay. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, trade number two. Oh, you know what? Zach Wheeler. Any value this year? Or is he a long-term guy? Long-term guy in uh, Class A right now, so a couple years off. Trade number two is uh, the White Sox, Blue Jays, and Cardinals. Here we go. The White Sox send Mark Tian and Edwin Jackson to Toronto. They get back Jason Frazier and prospect Zach Stewart. Real quick, Zach Stewart. What's his deal? Yeah, really sort of marginal prospect. He did make a spot start for the Blue Jays uh, not long ago this season. Um, not sure what the White Sox short-term or long-term plans are for Stewart, but not anybody who's going to figure big time into fantasy either way. Zach Wheeler, good. Zach Stewart, not as good. <laughs> not as important. <laughs> so Edwin Jackson went to Toronto very briefly. Uh, then he got traded to the Cardinals the Blue Jays sent Edwin Jackson, Mark Zepchinski, Octavio Dotel, and Corey Patterson to St. Louis. And the Cardinals gave the Blue Jays Colby Rasmus, P.J. Walters, Trevor Miller, Brian Tallett. Yeah, they basically just exchanged bullpens there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Edwin Jackson is the big name here along with Colby Rasmus, the two big names. Let's start with Edwin Jackson. Good, bad. He's now in St. Louis instead of Chicago. Uh, I think a little bit of a plus for Jackson, uh, as he actually could be more than even a little bit of a plus. He moves from uh, U.S. Cellular Field, which is murder on pitchers, to Bush Stadium, which is one of the best pitchers parks in the major leagues. And another plus, too, is he gets to work with Dave Duncan. Um, he's had this sort of magical effect on pitchers' ground ball rates, uh, guys like Brad Penny, uh, Joel Pinero in the past. Jackson's isn't bad, but, I mean, if he can – you know, keep the, the, the ball out of the park even more often than he already does, that's a bonus too. Okay. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts? Well, it also doesn't hurt having to face the pitcher's spot, you know, every couple times through the order. But, yeah, I have to agree. You know, Jackson's been up and down for his whole career. He's always shown so much potential. And, uh, you know, possibly Duncan could be the guy to bring him there. He's done it for other guys. So, yeah, I, I definitely don't think he loses value. Colby Rasmus now to the Blue Jays. Better? It's got to be better. Obviously, he was platooning with John Jay. The Blue Jays taking a shot on him. I'm sure they're going to want to put him in the lineup and, and throw him in the outfield, and I assume replacing Travis Snyder. Is that what, what? I, I would assume, and, and consistent with most of what I've been reading, Rajay Davis. Oh, Rajay uh, Davis, yeah, really. Because yeah. he can give them the defense in center field. Davis hasn't really produced that much anyway, you know, other than stolen bases. Okay. So uh, I think that's, that's the look there, although I think any one of their outfielders actually – is a bit vulnerable because, uh, you know, Snyder, again, he hasn't been up for all that long. Uh, he's you know, has struggled in his various stints in the major leagues. And then there's Thames, who is, you know, still pretty green, has hit well so far. I think he'll continue to hit. Davis, at least short term, I think is the guy who's going to lose it, uh, lose at bats. They, they love Snyder um, as much as he's struggled, they, even to the point where they considered moving him to center um, for Davis before they got Rasmus. Uh, which is why Davis it sounds like the odd man out, and I believe he is. That said, this team has no stolen base potential any longer without Davis in the lineup. Um, last night, 
you know, kind of a last-ditch effort to show manager John Farrell what he's got. He stole two bases against Matt Wieters, one of the toughest guys to steal on in the in the bigs. Um, you know, 31 steals on the year. He could end up um, overtaking Thames as a guy. Uh, Thames, yeah. Thames as a guy who he could uh, who who could play every day. But that that said, they definitely like Thames better. So. Okay, so Davis is the guy. I know we got we got an email that we're not going to read, but because I, I knew we'd address it in the show, and it was about Rajay Davis's fantasy value. Is it too soon to drop Rajay Davis? I don't think so, because in the past in his career, when he's had uh, a timeshare arrangement or just part-time play, he's still been valuable in rotisserie leagues. Uh, he will still bases for you, uh, and you can't really keep that aspect of his game down too much, even if you you bench him. So. Uh, in AL-only rotisserie leagues, uh, Davis is still somebody to hang on to, I'd say, in shallower leagues. Uh, at least, at the very least, look for some alternatives for your stolen bases. Do the relief pitchers involved in this deal factor in at all? Let's take out holds here. Um, I know uh, – I even read there was a report that Kyle McClellan could be the closer. Well, absolutely on the St. Louis side. Um I think everybody in the world of fantasy kind of freaked out a little bit the minute that Tony Larusa mentioned Kyle McClellan could close. Right. Um, but if you really read the story and what uh, TLR, as you know, <laughs> as the locals call him, said, um, he said McClellan is the type of guy he wants to immediately put into late inning tough situations and could close if Salas, uh, Fernando Salas, needs a rest. Okay. okay, that could mean, you know, one, two, three opportunities the rest of the season, or none at all, or it could mean he gets in there. But until LaRusa says that McClellan is my closer, you know, he didn't he didn't just gain fantasy value as a relief pitcher because he got dropped to the bullpen. He lost a lot of it. Well, I think Salas and McClellan are losers here with this move in fantasy. They're both losers because uh just the fact that LaRusse is willing to consider McClellan as a closer. And there's another quote where he's much more affirmative about the role that McClellan could play in the ninth inning. Um, so I think that's it's foggy now. And when you look at the way that LaRusse has managed that situation all year long, particularly in the first half, a lot of changes, a lot of uh, sort of, yeah, I would say knee-jerk reacting. So um, he's, he's never going to say who is that. He's never going to go, you're my closer. That, that may be, but, I mean, Ryan Franklin held that job for a pretty long time. You know, a lot of stability there. I mean, since Franklin. Yeah. So, Salas uh, is still the best guy in that bullpen to have. He, but he is. I mean, I, you know, I think from a, a baseball perspective, it makes the most sense to keep Salas where he is. But between the quotes that LaRusse has given the press and um, just his uh, history this year with, with managing that closer situation, it makes me nervous for both of those guys. John Jay. There are a lot of players affected here. So John Jay is one of them. 311, seven home runs, 27 RBIs. He's stolen five bases. Mostly a batting average guy, it seems. But uh, are you more interested in adding him now? I am just, you know, because of the playing time. Uh, you're right. He's sort of one-dimensional that way uh, with the batting average being his strong point. But um, he has uh, certainly much stronger NL-only value, maybe even deeper mixed league value now that he gets some, some regular playing time and hits in a nice lineup. You'd rather have him than Rajay Davis, I assume? Uh, yeah, I would. Okay. Anybody who plays going to be playing regularly. Yeah, regularly. Right. Uh, Philip Umber, Al. So how, do, how is, does he back in the rotation? He's back in the rotation. He really sort of, he was all along. My yeah. only concern about Umber was just that uh, the, for this week in particular, because they did give him an extended period off and put him in the bullpen. I thought maybe he was at risk of losing his start. Uh, but even so, that was a a temporary risk. I didn't see them dumping Umber. There was no talk of going back to a five-man rotation prior to the trade. So, uh, yeah, Umber's job security was fine before, and it's 
still fine, obviously. <laughs> Sergio Santos, does he have anything to worry about with Jason Frazier coming over? I would say no more than before because the White Sox do have other options. They did have other options before making this trade. Frazier gives them one more, a very solid uh, option, backup option as a closer if they need it. But I think as long as Santos is effective, his job is fine. Trade number three, Kosuke Fukudome to the Indians for a couple of low-level guys. Um, and, you know, the Indians need outfield help with Sizemore Hurt. So what do you think about this? Any any reason to add Kosuke Fukudome now? What do you think, Jeff? I don't really see any reason because when you look at his stats, they've always confused me. He's a He hits for plenty of average, but uh, he never never stays in the lineup for very long consistently. So I just, I, I don't know. I, I really have to monitor the way he would play um, with the Indians before really making a determination. Yeah, I would say there's you know two things to note here. And one is I think he'll have a little bit more of a stable playing time situation in Cleveland just by virtue of the fact that they got him because they're absolutely desperate for outfield mm-hmm. depth. And, you know, secondly, he is switching leagues, and he is a good pickup for AL only. So I think, you know, head-to-head owners maybe need to take another look at him because he provides good on-base percentage, and he's going to be getting on-base more often due to, I think, a little more stable playing time. Okay, and the last piece of news before we talk uh, about yesterday's action, Wednesday's games. So Ron Washington was a little critical of Neftali Feliz, saying – Yo, Neftali, you got to get a little fire in you. All right, yo, pick it up. And I know that the Rangers have been rumored to be interested in Heath Bell. And we're getting really close to that trade deadline. So Sunday's show, which is on July 31st, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It could be pretty crazy. But should Neftali Feliz owners be worried right now? I think a little bit. Um you know, because they are going very, very aggressively. The Rangers are going very, very aggressively after Heath Bell at this point. That's what the reports are saying. And Feliz just hasn't been the same pitcher this year. Um, he's getting batters to swing much less often, so they're waiting on his pitches. And you know what? A lot of those pitches aren't going in the zone. He's walking a lot more batters, striking out fewer batters. The command just hasn't been there this year. And... Um, he may be even lucky to be as effective as he has been up to this point. Now, so, if they get Heath Bell, yeah, then would it be? Do you think it would be a timeshare thing? Or I, I, I think they, they. I mean, this is pure speculation, but I would have to think that they would go to Bell. Yeah, that's what I would be worried about. Just the addition of Bell. I'm not too worried about what manager Ron Washington said. You know, good managers try to get in their players' heads and they try to you know incite a fire under them, and that's all he's doing. Um, after you know, after he struggled, he needs a kick in the pants, and that's what Washington did. Um, if he remains the closer, no, there's nothing to worry about. But, of course, the trade always changes that. So Yeah. So it's time for three up, three down from Wednesday's games. And we start with Alejandro de Aza, who replaced Alex Rios, and he homered for the Chicago White Sox. What do you think? Well, yeah, I'm not sure why Diazza hasn't. We haven't seen Diazza in a while. He was a Marlin a few years back, briefly. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a low bar, but uh, he's off to a good start, and he could, I think, uh, outproduce Rios again. It's a very low bar to set, given how Rios has played. But, you know, Rios is in the doghouse right now, so uh, Diaz should get some reps and, uh, you know, certainly worth a shot in ale only. Fukudome or Diaz? Fukudome. Okay, three up, number two, Eric Hosmer. Over the last 14 days, he has been the number one fantasy first baseman in head-to-head and Roto Leagues. Jeff, can he keep this up, or do you think the rookie will hit a wall at some point? Well, he's already hit a wall um, once this year. You're talking about a guy who's in one short season shown he's very, very streaky. From May 11 to June 7, he hit 316 with five homers and 19 RBI. 
uh, and then proceeded to hit 209 over his next 33 games with 17 RBI. Hmm. He's now 486 and 8 RBI over his last 8 games. I mean, this is all back-to-back. So, yeah, can he hit a wall? Sure, he can hit another wall. But is he overall going to be uh, one of the better first basemen? That's what it looks like to me. He's not an elite option, but he's somebody who's going to give you plenty of, uh, plenty of power and plenty of good, uh, good hitting over uh, at the first base position. Three up number three is, I don't know, he could have been three up or three down. It's Willie Bloomquist. He's just, <laughs> well, he's doing some good things. But, you know, seven-game hitting streak, two doubles and a triple in that stretch, three RBIs, six runs scored. Um, but no steals, which is weird, since July 17th. He's owned in 15% of leagues. What's your take on Bloomquist? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what to make of the no steals because if he's productive and getting on base, you would certainly expect him to pick up at least a couple of stolen bases. If you remember, we saw a streak from him early in the season. Yeah. Uh, in fact, you know, when he earned some playing time, well, we didn't expect it. Uh, I don't think too much of this. Uh, Bloomquist is, you know, certainly capable of producing, certainly capable of getting steals, um, but not, uh, you know, certainly not a higher end option. I just secretly think that. Uh Bloomquist is Adam Azer's favorite player in the major leagues because I think the last time I was on the podcast we talked about Willie Bloomquist. Yeah, it was like I think like every time I come All on right, we got to talk about Bloomquist. I have a Willie Bloomquist thing. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, three down now. Um, Matt Kemp. I promised we were going to talk about Matt Kemp. You did. And of course, he's still uh, you know yesterday and the day before he did pretty well. But if you look overall at Matt Kemp's July numbers, no power, two forty four batting average, two home runs, twelve RBI. He hit 253 in May and responded with a 375 June. But he did hit seven home runs in May. So only two so far in July and no stolen base attempts since the All-Star break. Are you at all concerned? It's kind of a strong word, but what do you think about Matt Kemp right now? I'm not concerned. Um, I do think he overperformed a bit in the first half. But, um, you know, he is just nowhere... He was not going to be as lousy a player as he was last season. I, don't, I have absolutely no idea what to make of the no stolen base attempts this past month. Um, yeah, he's but, not getting on base as much. Yeah, but I mean, to you know, no attempts when he's been on base since the All Star break. So it's a couple weeks. Yeah, that's a good point. I was thinking the whole month. No, yeah, sorry. Yeah, well, so yeah, we are talking about a pretty short time frame. There are nothing to worry about. All right, three down. Number two is Chris Young. Who's worried about Chris Young? One sixty-seven, no home runs, two RBIs. 15 strikeouts in his last 12 games. Those all coming after the break. So he's struggling, Jeff. Yeah, I'm. I'm not worried about. Uh, I'm not. I'm not worried about Kemp. I am worried about Young, however, and only because uh, Young has been a career streaky hitter and somebody who is prone to long, long slumps and will never really give you a great batting average. Um, so I think he's somebody who can be sitting nicely on your bench until he does start hitting, hitting them out again, and then you know get him back in the lineup if he gets hot. So here's Niger Morgan making three down. Another guy he could have made a case for in three up. He and Willie Bloomquist were like in three uh, the middle. So I'm looking at his stolen bases. He's owned in 25% of leagues, Niger Morgan. He stole 34 bases last year in 136 games. He has six stolen bases this year. And other than batting average, he's not really taking advantage of the Carlos Gomez injury. What do you think about Niger Morgan, guys? Well... You know, those are you just named the two stats he's going to produce for you in fantasy: batting average and stolen base. He is producing the batting average. Uh, the stolen bases, I'm not sure what's going on there either because I, I haven't looked at the numbers. I don't perceive Renicky as a as a manager that uh, is averse to running, but um, you know maybe there's something there. Other than that potential explanation, I'm not sure what's going on. I have to think there's a, a stolen base rebound coming. I looked at. Um 
his recent play since Gomez has been out. And the first thing that kind of came up for me is he's really not taken over as their everyday center fielder. He's still not hitting against um, against left-handed starters. Uh, with you know, he sat against Madison Bumgarner, and they gave Brett Carroll his first start of the season. And I it just, I just don't think he's going to be a full-time player for them, even with Gomez out. So um, yeah, he'll give you an average, but he'll give you average against righties. Um, and he's going to be playing not every day of the week. So I don't really think he gains much more value um, than where he was before Gomez went down. Nigel Morgan or John Jay? John Jay for playing time for me. I think short-term, actually, I would go Morgan because, again, he kind of takes the, the step further of not only producing a high batting average and the potential for runs scored, but, um, you know, I think the stolen bases will rebound. Rotation time. Oh, I don't know how it took us so long to even mention this. I apologize. But Irvin Santana threw a no-hitter oh, yeah. on Wednesday. You know, <laughs> it is a crazy time in the sports world right now. College football and NFL are, like, off the charts. And then Irvin Santana just kind of threw this no-hitter. And people realize, but it wasn't a huge deal. I know hitters have lost their luster a little bit. But he has a 2.02 ERA in his last seven starts, Jeff. Are you buying Irvin Santana right now? Oh, I'm absolutely buying Irvin Santana. First of all, he's always had this kind of dominant stuff. Um, his big problem has been his command. And uh, when he was started off 3-8 and eight with a 4.22 ERA, he had an 87-33 to 33 strikeout-to-walk ratio. Well, all he's done since... Um, is put up, uh, what, what has he got, uh, seven walks compared to 36 strikeouts over his last six starts. So there you go. That's the reason um, all of a sudden he's winning games and pitching well, and, and, uh, and he's always been a tough pitcher to hit. So if he's not walking people, he's going to be, uh, he's going to be good. So, yeah, I, I think for the rest of the season this is how we could see Santana pitching for the Angels. Man, if they, if they get to the playoffs, that is a tough matchup for that most likely AL East wild card. If they play, let's say, the Rangers – um, I think they're or, or the Yankees for that matter. They couldn't play the Rangers unless oh, we're in the ALCS. Oh, right, right, right. But that's a possibility. And you know, if they face the Yankees, uh, they have to go to Yankee Stadium, and Santana starts there. The guy blows up in home run ballparks. Okay, but he would start at home then because they would go Weaver, Heron, Santana. Uh, yeah, you'd think. No. I mean, that's a tough top three right there to have to deal with in a short series. Yeah. Back to fantasy well, baseball. But that is a good note, Al. He does blow up in well, home run And ball. it has fantasy implications yes. because we've seen it in weeks where he does go to Texas, where he goes to U.S. Cellular in Chicago, where he goes to Yankee Stadium, and he just melts down. Okay. So I, I, I take a little bit of an issue of saying every week here on out he's uh, a start guy. Now he has two great starts in week 18. Just bring that up. I, don't know where the, <laughs> I don't know where the schedule goes after that, but he is a guy, uh, you know, like several others that we've talked about on the podcast, that you, you have to look at the venues where he pitches. We're talking about fantasy value, and for the upcoming fantasy week 18, I think he's got pretty much one of the top values in the league with two starts at home, uh, one of them coming against the Mariners. So Irvin Santana, the good. The bad, though, is Phil Hughes. You look at the box <laughs> score, six innings, two runs, not bad. It was against Seattle, but nine hits and losing some velocity. And he's owned in 72% of leagues, started in just 25%. And now he may even lose his spot in the rotation. Right. So. Ivan Nova coming mm-hmm. up to, for a spot start against the uh, – who are they playing this weekend? That crappy team for Baltimore, Jeff? I don't know. <laughs> did, you say, did you say crappy team? Sweep. Oh, I might have said that, yeah. Sweep. <laughs> um, four games a series there, so – I would say no sweep, but anyway, Ivan Nova, if he has a good start this weekend, yeah, Phil Hughes could be out of a job, Al. Yeah, so Hughes is not a guy you want to plan on starting next week. Yeah, he just doesn't look right. I'm not sure if you watched the game yesterday I did not at see work. It, no. Yeah, he just he's not the same pitcher that he was, and maybe he's, he rushed himself back. Who knows? James Shields got crushed by Oakland. Two starts ago, he got crushed 
I guess three starts ago, um, he got crushed by Boston. Six earned runs and six innings there. Last night, 10 earned in four innings against Oakland. Are you concerned? No. I, at this point, I'm saying one of those things, one of those stretches, yeah, he's overperformed up until the last couple of weeks. Uh, not to say that when somebody overperforms, they're you know necessarily going to get crushed, but uh, it does happen. And, uh, you know, overall, James Shields is a guy who misses bats, doesn't hurt himself with walks, gets, uh, you know, decent run support. I think Shields is going to be fine. My, my one concern is his command of late because he's been throwing way too many pitches and not going deep in games since he threw three straight complete games. So it's obvious yeah. he's got that type of ability. So I'm only concerned as to why he's, he's you know, he's only thrown 80, 80 pitches in four innings last game, 117 over seven plus 106 over 6. Those are his last three starts. So he's definitely he's get, not getting as deep into games lately. That said, uh, is, there, is there any truth to uh, the rumor that I just made up that he's only pitching poorly because he wants to stay in Tampa Bay? That's Doesn't want to get traded at the trade deadline. Who would want to stay in Tampa Bay? It's a nice city in Florida. Yeah, but wouldn't you want to play in front of you know more than 10,000 home fans? It's possible. He really likes double. He likes the ray tank. Yeah. (laughs) He's going to miss that. Javier Vasquez is fourth in the rotation. He's owned in 42% of leagues. He went seven innings Wednesday. He allowed one run against the Nationals. Is he still under-owned? Well, for the coming week he is uh, because he's – it's not that he has excellent matchups, but this is going to be another week where there's not that many great two-start options, and he'll be one of the two – actually one of the better two-start options. So, yeah, uh, some – Owners need to, who are looking for two-star pitchers, need to look at them and probably pick them up. And the fifth spot in today's rotation is David Huff, Indian starting pitcher. He has allowed one earned run in his two starts with nine combined strikeouts, and he's only owned in 4% of leagues. Who's taking a chance on David Huff? Um, should, I was going to say, I'm not speaking up here. So No, I would, <laughs> I would take a chance with him in you know, an AL-only format. Yeah. David Huff is, is been a proven minor league commodity, 21-6 and six over his last three years at AAA. Um, 0.95 whip in his last two starts. You know, it was only two of the year. Um, so small sample size, but he's won 11 games in the majors two years ago as a 24-year-old. Lost 11 games last year, and guys who lose a lot of games, you know, well, they pitch a lot of innings. So I definitely think Huff is the type of guy who, who could be valuable as long as he stays in the rotation for the Indians down the stretch. Um, that said, you know, I'm not talking about mixed leagues, although he is scheduled to make two starts next week. Tyler Chatwood or David Huff? Chatwood. Alex Cobb or David Huff? Oh, Alex Cobb. I, I mean, like Alex yeah, Cobb. At this yeah, point, Alex Cobb, you can maybe even think about it with one start. Yeah, I like, yeah. I like Alex Cobb. Good, good pitcher there. Injuries, news, and notes. Ricky Weeks. Another major storyline. He's out three to six weeks. Going on the DL with the ankle injury was kind of gruesome. First of all, is Craig Council going to be his replacement? Or um, do you expect let me, a let deal? Me, let me feel this one. Oh, go ahead, Jeff. No. <laughs> nice presentation there. Craig Council uh, is not the answer for any fantasy owner or the Brewers at second base unless the question is what aging veteran is close to retirement. Right, okay. Um, yeah, Craig Council is not the answer. <laughs> That's, that said, you know, I, we found out today uh, weeks may only have to miss two, three weeks. Really? Um, three to six is what they're officially calling it, but, you know, if he heals up. So that's not too bad um, for fantasy owners to deal without him. And, and there's a couple guys out there like, uh, like his little brother, Jamal, and, uh, and uh, other guys like Kelly Johnson who might be available in some 10- and 12-team leagues um, to go pick up. Uh, the Mets have two guys, Justin Turner and uh, and uh, who am I missing? Um, in terms of yeah, I don't know. I think Justin Turner's a good option. 
Uh, yeah, nobody's coming to mind. I think uh, you, hit, yeah. you, hit, you hit some good ones. There's another one there, I'm telling you. I just, okay. I'm sure there are. But uh. <laughs> um, All right, so I've got three guys here owned in 30% of leagues, but in between 30 and 40% of leagues. Alexi Casilla, Omar Infante, who's on a six-game hitting streak, and Justin Turner. Pick between Casilla, Infante, and Turner. Hmm. I think I would probably go Infante. Infante, they're slightly over Turner. But uh, not, I see not a ton of difference in the value among those three. And just for the record, I wasn't suggesting uh, picking up Craig Council. Right. I was just wondering what Look the Brewers the were going to do. Well, I have a feeling they're going to make a move, right? Well, they may make a move. They're looking at uh, Jamie Carroll. They yes. have been even before Weeks' injury. And there may be an internal option. Hmm, maybe I'll talk about that in the quick pitch. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh, by the way, I have no idea what your quick pitches are, guys. I I, I'm, I don't think you sent them to me, did you? I sent them, but uh, that's all right. Oh, you did? We'll, uh, all right, well, it's Keep a the mystery going here. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, okay, Lance Berkman feeling better. He received an injection in his shoulder. He hopes to be back this weekend. Nice to see J.J. Putz get the save on Wednesday night. Josh Johnson says he is not officially done for the season. He's still owned in 93% of leagues. Is it time to drop Josh Johnson? I would say not yet uh, because – when you're talking about picking up a guy to replace him and, and you know basically put in the back of your rotation, there's so many similar options that are available from one week to the next on waivers that you might as well see how this plays out because maybe Johnson can do something for you uh, the last few weeks of the season. So, but Just on a side note, by the way, I was listening to Jack McKeon on a local radio station here uh, earlier in the week. Right after uh, SI.com came out with their report premature that Johnson was out right. for the season, and they said something to McKeon about, well, so you know, what do you think about Josh Johnson being out for the season? Well, I didn't know he was out for the season. <laughs> Very awkward radio moment there. Yeah, it is awkward. Um, uh, you, you can never believe what you read anymore. Timetable for two pitchers, Jonathan Sanchez and Roy Oswalt. Uh, both possibly in week 18. or Well, Sanchez more likely than Oswalt. Uh, both will need at least one more rehab start. So let's get to your Facebook and Twitter comments, facebook.com slash CBS Sports Fantasy and Twitter at CBS Fantasy News. First one is on Facebook. We're going to start with James Krawick. I sent Jay Bruce and Irvin Santana and received Carlos Beltran and C.J. Wilson in a 12-team keeper head-to-head league. Neither of the guys I traded made my keeper list. So, again, he gave up Jay Bruce and Irvin Santana for Beltran and C.J. Wilson. What do you think? Upgrade. Upgrade at both positions. Love the trade. Bryce Girardi is next. Will Jake Peavy be reliable down the stretch? He's got three questions here. We'll start with the first one. Will Jake Peavy be reliable down the stretch? Jeff? Uh, I don't think he's going to be reliable this year. Somebody who could have a couple good starts, sure, but I don't think he's going to be consistent, if consistent means reliable. Is Ian Kennedy a Cy Young candidate? I don't think so. I think he's just a cut beneath at this point. Yeah, he he will not be winning that award, but he's having a good year. If... Jeremy Guthrie gets traded to a contender with an offense. Should he be an immediate pickup? I'll make that easy. Jeremy Guthrie's not getting traded. (laughs) Okay. When his last start came, there was maybe one or two scouts in the stands, and there was multiple Twitter comments that kind of read, uh, nobody cares. (laughs) So you do use Twitter. I do. I do. I read Twitter. Consumer. Yeah. I don't post Twitter. on Twitter. Oh, yeah, just follow me. That's all I'm asking. All right, I, fine. I'm, I'm following you. Send me, a, send me like a link. Seventy followers. Send here. me a link. Uh, okay. Next question. Oh, by me. the way, did you give your your Twitter name out? 
No, because it's kind of lame, so I'm not going to do right. that. But you just search Adam Azer and you'll probably find me. La- next Facebook comment is Zachary Pinsins. Who are the best keepers among these players? Pick eight. Mm. Wow. All right, here we go. Braun in the first round. Reyes in the second round. Justin Upton in the fourth round. Utley in the fifth round. BJ Upton in the eighth round. Matt Wieters in the tenth round. Wainwright in the 19th round. Johan Santana in the 20th. Dominic Brown in the 21st. Brandon League in the 22nd. Shields in the 23rd. Ackley in the 25th. Rizzo in the 26th. Walden in the 27th. Or Brett Laurie in the 28th. All right. Well, I checked off seven guys that to me were, you know, good values. So that means I've got to pick one more. So I want to buy myself some time by reading the seven. I got eight. And you got eight. I well, got eight. All go right, well, let's it. let's go. All right, so Braun. Well, yes. obviously Braun and Reyes. Braun I mean, and you Reyes. You can almost go one, two, three with him. Braun, Reyes, and Upton. Upton, yeah. So um, far, so good. Justin Upton. Justin, Justin. Upton, right. Um, I I still love Weeders. Um, if only for his defense, his offense is only going to improve. Um, I went with kind of skipped uh, after that to Dominic Brown. Agreed. Um, then I skipped over Shields and went to Ackley. Agreed. Dustin Ackley. With, uh, with Ackley. Yeah, sk- skipped over Rizzo just because of. Uh, Poor reports I, got, I read of, of him not being able to hit the fastball too well. Um, I, I went to Walden after that, and then I finished up with Lawry. All right. Brett Lawry. So here we go, because I'm not sure, again, where, where we overlap. But I have Braun, Reyes, Justin Upton, Utley, Brown, Shields, Ackley. That's seven. And I'm going to go with you on Weeders uh, in the 10th. Not Lawry in the 28th, huh? Nah. We, okay. we, we only differed, I believe, with um, Utley and Lawry. Yeah. On to the Twitter questions at CBS Fantasy News. Anuj Chatterjee says, what caliber of pitching can I get if I package Hayward, Joyce, and Crisp? Well, I don't think he's going to get a top-shelf guy. Um, you know, maybe if Hayward had followed up his last season a little better, um, you know, you could shoot a little higher. But I see him getting uh, – the, the top guy that I could see him maybe getting is somebody like a C.J. Wilson or a Ricky Romero. Okay. Uh, uh, next one is uh, Ryan Mersman. MLB time of arrivals for Matt Harvey and Jacob Turner. Late 2011, or did the Mets Tigers shut them down too soon? The second one. I think we're looking at 2012 for both of those guys. There's innings concerns uh, with both of them. The next one comes from Angry Elvis 57. Like David Ross over Salty or Lucroy? I think Al does. I think Al definitely likes David Ross. Yes, we were talking about that. I- I'm a bigger fan of uh, Salta Lamacchia and Lucroy. Um, I think they're younger, and um, I think they're both better power-hitting options. Um, I know you like Ross. Uh, you like Ross's power. Yeah, I do like Ross's power a lot, and I definitely like him better overall as a producer for the next few weeks than, oh, than Lucroy. I would take Salty, though. I would, oh, take okay. Sal- I would take Salty if it was between all three. Okay. Uh, and finally, Mike Furk. Head-to-head, working on a trade, who would you recommend going forward, Scherzer or Romero? Well, I think you probably know where I'm going with this. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd go Romero and yeah. without even thinking about I it. I would have to agree with that, especially after eight and a third scoreless uh, against the Orioles last night. Pretty darn good outing for Ricky R- Romero. Thank you very much for the Facebook and Twitter comments. Keep them coming, and we read them every Thursday on our show. And we quick pitch every day on our show, so we'll start with Al's AL player. And they're all a mystery to me today. Go all ahead. right. My AL player is Brett Cecil. Okay. And um, 
Now, a lot of times, both Scott and I will target a pitcher who's coming up the, the following day that you could look at, particularly in daily leagues. Daily league owners need to know that they need to stay as far away from Brett Cecil as possible for Friday start because he's going to Texas and he's in that – uh, he's poor man's Irvin Santana, very poor man's Irvin Santana, because you, you absolutely want to avoid him in a, a home run park. But in week 18, next start is a Tropicana field. Uh, and Cecil could do all right there because since he's come back, decent strikeout to walk ratio, still giving up a lot of fly balls, m- many more than he did last season. But I think as long as you get him outside of places like Texas, Yankee Stadium, you know, so forth, uh, in a place like Tampa Bay, I think Cecil could be a good uh, pickup in uh AL only and deeper mixed leagues. Jeff's AL player is? Hideki Matsui of the Oakland A's and formerly of the New York Yankees. I'm familiar with him. Matsui's not coming out of the lineup um, unless he stops hitting. And manager Bob Melvin has shown a lot more confidence in him than the other Bob. And he's rewar- and Matsui has rewarded him for that. He's hitting three thirty eight in July. And he's been even better since the break. Um, 16 RBI in his last nine games. Uh, if you didn't know that, and many might not since he's only owned in 17% of leagues, um, you're talking about a guy who's get playing DH. He's going to be playing every day. And if you've been used, struggling with Adam Dunn and Vladimir Guerrero, uh, Matsui is a guy who could be m- well worth adding um, over those two. Al's NL player is? All right, well, here's the, the mystery. Eric Ferris, just called up by the Brewers. Take the spot of Ricky Weeks. Oh, okay. Plays a little second base. And uh, so he gives them another option there. I think probably a better option than Craig Consul, not that that's saying a whole lot. But the thing about Eric Ferris is even if he, let's say, he plays every other day, uh, probably his strongest fantasy asset is stolen bases. So like I was saying about Rajai Davis, Ferris is a guy who, even if he doesn't play every day, has some appeal in NL-only roto uh, formats. So take a look at him. We've got a few days before the Monday lineup deadline to see how the Brewers are using him, before the trade deadline to see if they do and they go get a Jamie Carroll. If the Brewers don't go with an outside option, Ferris could play quite a bit over the next couple of weeks. That's uh, Eric Ferris. That okay. is correct. And moving on to Jeff's NL player. I'm going to go with a guy who, who needs to be looked at closely for something that, uh, coming back up from the minor leagues, Dexter Fowler of the Colorado Rockies. He's back atop their lineup, or hitting second in some instances with EY, Eric Young at the top of the lineup. Uh, but he's been done nothing but hit since coming back. He's hitting 375 in July, three triples, 12 runs scored. Um, and this is a player who's always had all the tools and all the ability. And you know what? There's a reason could be a reason why he's doing so much better. Um, since he came back, he was working with hitting coach Carney Lansford. I uh, just wanted to drop Carney Lansford's name in there. Sure. But um, they worked on a new little leg kick for him. A little batting stance. Yeah, a little, little, little change to his batting stance that, you know, players around him marveled at how quickly he picked it up. It just came natural to him. And, you know, he, he's just taken off since then. And, and it's something that it seems like he might be able to sustain. So if he is... Um, reaching his vast potential or getting close to it, he's somebody who should be owned in more than 32% of leagues. Well, you know, the leg kick, it worked wonders for Elaine Bennis. So. You say Elaine Bennis, <laughs> but I, I say, I say Daryl Strawberry. That's my. <laughs> That's probably a little more fantasy. That's what fantasy owners are hoping for. Elaine anyway. Bennis. Yeah, Elaine Bennis Al leg kick. Is like <laughs> Elaine Bennis. The there it is. Time for our emails. DM fantasybaseball at cbs.com. Andrew is first. Dear fantasy, fantasy musketeers. Picked up Avila early on. He has been fantastic. Excuse me. But of late, he seems to be struggling, like Adam Azer is struggling. Should I drop one of the following to make room for a second catcher to get more playing time? Someone like Carlos Ruiz, Salta Lamacchia, Giovanni Soto, 
Ramon Hernandez. Should I drop Freddie Freeman, J.J. Hardy, you know Escobar, Danny Espinosa, Brendan Bosch, Michael Kadire? I don't know if I'd drop any of those players. Yeah, the one I would think about maybe is Bosch. Yeah, but um, And if I were to do that, I would pick up Soto. But uh, honestly, I wouldn't do it. I'd, I'd wait it out because uh, I think Avila will rebound, and you, you've got time. Give, yeah, we give him a couple about, more weeks. We talked about Avila yesterday, yeah. actually. I like Avila a lot, yeah. Dear Fantasy Two-Man Group. Okay, well, we're, we're three now, Jared, but that is a very good uh, reference to something we say during the show, so I'll give you points for that. I've been doing well this year in my eight-team head-to-head league in large part due to Bautista and McCann. So I am a worried owner this morning. Uh, who do you like most from this list as a replacement for Brian McCann? Soto, Suzuki, Aaron Sibia, Martin, Ionetta, Yadier Molina. Soto, Suzuki, Aaron Sibia, Martin, Ionetta, Yadier Molina. Well, again, I think I'm going to go Soto here. But um, with Ionetta, of course, there's a possibility that he's traded. That would have a little bit of a negative impact on him. Yadier Molina is having a surprising season. Well, I think I talked about this. Uh, yeah, yeah. A, little, a little power surge for him. So he's closer to Soto in value uh, than, you know, than I would have guessed. But I, I think I still feel a little safer going with Soto here. He might not be worth it immediately, but Aaron Sibby is somebody I'm intrigued with, especially oh, yeah, yeah. especially after seeing him hit that monster home run the other day against Baltimore. Yeah, so. he keeps homering. Uh, Andy in Fairbanks, Alaska. I'm concerned with Jordan Zimmerman and Jeremy Hellickson going forward for the year with regard to their pitch counts affecting performance or being shut down. Would it be worth it to drop them or any of my other pitchers listed below to pick up Scott Baker, Vance Worley, or Justin Masterson? All right, we're not going to drop Halliday, Kershaw, Beckett, Shields, Walden, or Rivera, or Papelbon, right? We're not going to drop Jaime Garcia. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're not going to drop Ian Kennedy or Madison Bumgarner. Would you drop Bumgarner or Hellickson or Zimmerman or Ian Kennedy, let's say, for Baker, Worley, or Masterson? I'm not dropping Kennedy or Bumgarner. So, yeah, Zimmerman and Hellickson are the guys. I think Hellickson is droppable at this point uh, because not only is there a concern about the innings, but he's been pretty inconsistent. And the options that he's mentioned, uh, Baker and Masterson in particular, I think are just clearly better than, than Hellickson. So I would uh, – let's see if I have to pick one. Yeah, I'd say I'd take uh, Masterson in place of Hellickson. Jake from Wisconsin. So, wait, does that mean you drop Hellickson over Zimmerman? Yes. Okay. Jake from Wisconsin, dear princes of the universe, nine-team, five-by-five Roto League. With cargo on the DL, I need to pick up someone to keep me alive in the stolen base category. Which of the following guys would be my best bet? And I'm not too worried about batting average for the guy I will be adding. So who's the best bet for steals? Desmond Jennings, Jason Bartlett, Austin Jackson, Jason Bourgeois, Roger Bernardina. I think Jennings. I would say uh, Jennings. Uh, Bartlett I worry about because I'm not sure he will get on base enough to to produce as steadily. But, uh, uh, yeah, I like Jennings here. Similar with Jackson. And they're batting uh, Bourgeois. They're batting him third lately. Okay. Dear Fantasy DMs, this comes from Darius in Norwich, England. I am in a 12-team 6x6 mixed keeper league with batting with, uh, batting average against and OPS as the extra categories. We can only keep four next year. An owner in my league has offered me Jason Hayward, Freddie Freeman, Brian McCann, and Rich Harden for Miguel Montero, Brett Gardner, Madison Bumgarner, and Latos. All right, we'll get back to that. My first question is how long will McCann be out, and what should I expect to get out of him for the rest of the season? Uh, well, McCann, it'll be um, you know, at least a couple of weeks. 
So Right. They yeah. seemed optimistic that he wouldn't have to miss more than 15 to 20 days, but right. it's an mm-hmm. oblique, so we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uncertain, but it could be a couple weeks. All right, now, what do you think of this trade? I've been offered so – again, I'll read it. Again, uh, he was offered Hayward, Freeman, McCann, and Harden for Montero, Gardner, Bumgarner, and Latos. All right. Well, you know, Montero's a pretty good substitute. Uh, well, he's like, he's already got Montero. So I guess what I'm yes, trying to say uh, here yeah. is that given the uncertainty with McCann and the lost time, I don't know that he really winds up ahead of Montero with, with McCann. Right. And then in terms of breaking down the rest of it, uh, like Gardner over Hayward. Uh, let's see. Pump Gardner far over Harden. And then what's left? We got Latos and, and Freeman. So, yeah, no, I think he needs to stand pat. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Last email. This is a very important one, guys. Very important. It's from Caesar in L.A. I don't have a question this time. I just would like to give a little credit to the A's man because it always seems he's high on a player, and you guys never back him up. An example is you guys constantly took Liriano over Karstens when he was practically begging for you guys to show Karstens some love. And that could have been the difference of winning or losing the week or when he had his strong opinions about how Hughes is not back. This man knows the game. Oh, yeah, and A's called Vado's mini power surge he's on right now. This guy clearly knows the game. Nothing against Data Al or Scott, but A's deserves more love. I would like to clarify one A's thing. A's man. I did not call Vado's power surge. Uh, I think what happened, I think I asked you, can we expect a power surge? And you said, well, expect would be a little bit too strong. I think I did say I that. But it wouldn't surprise us. Yeah. So I can't take any credit for Vado. Uh, but I will take credit for saying that I wasn't buying Phil Hughes. Yeah, and and I did. So uh, you definitely deserve kudos and credit there. <laughs> yeah. you, you you nailed that one. Thanks, Caesar. Caesar, as as an outside third party, uh, I I have to say, l- listen to Scott now. Oh yeah, <laughs> as an inside first party, whatever. I listen to Scott now. I don't give advice too much. But I'm not I'm not uh, jumping on the Carson's bandwagon yet. No, and Carson's I think is a better pitcher in real life than in fantasy because the strikeouts but i i have been you know I've, I've watched carson's a few times and i think uh i think he's still underrated but i could see you not jumping on the bandwagon yeah and you don't agree you don't agree but we'll see underrated. maybe we'll be back here in a week or two and <laughs> we'll get another email from caesar and another mea culpa let me tell you something Azer appreciates it caesar this is a Big stretch for the Pirates because after the last two games, losing on the bad call and the walk-off hit for, by David Ross, now we get to see what they're made of. The, Pir- uh, the Cardinals just went out and got themselves another starter. Big stretch here for the Pirates. I'm interested. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I hope they uh, don't uh, don't fall apart after two very, very rough games. Yeah. Jeff, thank you. Thank you as always, Adam, and thanks, Al. That's Jeff Lippman. Al Melchior, producer is Jeremiah Thermidor. Back on Sunday with Week 18, Start or Sit. See you later, everybody. Have a great weekend.